Hello and welcome to Spiritual Shit, your guide to the down and dirty of modern spirituality. This podcast is a place for people wanting to discover more about spirituality, where we can get weird about ghosts, mediumship, aliens, psychics, religion, new age, awakening, ascension, starseeds, channeling, holistic health, philosophy, and even dating. Some shows will be just me rambling about my mystical experiences and discoveries, while other shows will have guests to open up new perspectives and views. I hope you'll join me on this journey as we discuss and open up what spirituality in today's modern world really looks like. Remember to like and subscribe to never miss an episode and hit me up at thelovelyleah.com or at thelovelyleah on Instagram so we can connect. Become a Patreon supporter to get access to behind the scenes of our guests, freebies, early access to new episodes, discounts on merch, and more. Hello and welcome to another week of spiritual shit. I'm your host, Alia Lovely, and it is good to be with you. I am so thrilled for today's episode because I am bringing on someone that I love very much. My husband is going to be on the show today, David Jones, and we are going to talk about a myriad of things, but we had such a good conversation last night and we've been talking more about like doing podcasts together and we spoke about consciousness, atheism, and what to do when you're in partnership with someone who has very different beliefs than you do. And we cover lots of other different things as well, but that's kind of like the main theme. And it was a lot of fun, but in true retrograde form, something happened with my computer. Like similarly to the last retrograde that I spoke to y'all about where I had to get on my phone and make some like janky recording. And so the audio is a little bit weird, so just bear with us. Um, I didn't want to throw the episode away because there was just so much value in what was being said, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. I really do. A couple of announcements. One, we have a coupon off of all reading services. You can go to thelovelyalia.com to book any reading service, but we have a coupon. It's January 15. That's the code where you can get 15% off any reading. And we also have like a really awesome new workshop that's out. You can go to spiritualshitschool.com to find that. And then a very important announcement. So those of you who have known about me talking about mystery school over the last year or over a year, we are restructuring mystery school. It's getting a new name, new intention, and just new aspects to it. Our community, our membership community, where it's going to be called conscious community, and it will be open to newcomers February 1st. So February 1st, you can uh, sign up. Um, you'll have to go to my website to see all the links for that at thelovelylaalia.com. But I'm really excited about it taking this new turn because at the beginning, it was more about us figuring out our gifts and learning more about our intuition. And it turned into this like really amazing community where we're able to share and support each other and uh, lean into each other. And actually some of my like best friends are people that I've never met in person that are in our mystery school platform. And so as it transforms into conscious community, uh, what I'm going to be doing is weekly collective readings to the group, um, for something like to focus on every week. We're having monthly hangouts with the groups. We have events set by other practitioners to test your intuition, book clubs, practice readings, and more. We're even going to have something called money Mondays where you can promote your business on Mondays. You know, those of you who have like uh, spiritual businesses or things that would benefit spiritual practitioners, 
it's all welcome. And it's $25 a month. I really feel like it's for those people who are spiritual seekers, who have a lot of unanswered questions or experiences, or even just feel lonely and need more community in a like-minded space. It's kind of a one-stop shop for resources, support, connection with navigating our soul's purpose while in the earth realm. It's so, so much fun. I'm really, really excited about it. We've got dream workers in there and astrologists and other intuitives that are really, really spot on. It's just, to me, I just, I have a blast being able to have one place to go where all those kind of people reside. So if you're into spiritual shit, definitely check out our conscious community. There will be a cap on how many people we allow into the community uh, just to be able to keep it a bit more intimate. So you'll it's first come, first serve. Get on my website February 1st to check it out and sign up and gain your spot in our loving community. Oh, and before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to say like we did start talking about like ghosty stuff. And after we had this long conversation last night when um, I was getting ready for bed there, I heard some door slamming in my house downstairs. And I thought it was one of the kids, but the kids were asleep. And so I went downstairs to get um, my daughter a bottle and stuff like that. And my stepson comes out of his room. He's like, I've been hearing noises and it's kind of creeping me out. We were like investigating what the noises might've been and going in and out of his room and kind of like help calmed him down. But after we calmed him down, he went back to sleep. We went back up to our rooms and maybe like 10 minutes later, uh, our house alarm goes off. And like really loud, meaner, meaner, meaner. And it said that like there was no entry or anything like that. It was something about it being the, the, the panel being tampered with. And that only happens if someone's like picking it up or something like that. I thought, well, maybe like a, a car went by with like a really (laughs) expensive sound system and the vibrations may have tampered it, but we didn't hear anything, uh, like that. So I don't know. Like it was just kind of weird after we had this long conversation. You'll see once you listen to the episode, but we had this long conversation about some of that kind of stuff and then a very non-explainable experience happening. I'll tell you this, the last like couple of months, there's been a lot of weird stuff that has been happening. And I almost feel like it's a, like a weird integration process. Like I'm seeing more orbs than I've ever seen before. We're having like weekly occurrences of weird things happening in the house and Um, it seems like the activity has picked up quite a bit. So I don't know what to think about that. And, um, David kind of hates it. (laughs) He doesn't like that stuff. Um, so anyway, you will get to know him a little bit better and us, um, and our journey navigating consciousness and the discussions that we have about our differing beliefs. And hopefully it helps you if you have uh, a similar situation. I hope you really enjoy it. Let's get into it right now. Hello and welcome to another episode of Spiritual Shit. I'm your host, Ali Lovely, and today I have on my husband, David Jones. How you doing, babe? Really good. How you doing? Good. I'd be doing better if it didn't take us two hours to set up this audio equipment, which we're in full swing of retrograde, and uh, I'm feeling it now, so I'm trying not to be frustrated. <laughs> You're doing great. I mean, up here troubleshooting through retrograde, so... Yeah. Yeah, we're we're warriors here, um, but yeah, uh, we are newlyweds. Yes, yes, it was a beautiful wedding. <laughs> um, beautiful trip to Paris. Amazing, and it is a core memory because <laughs> <laughs> our daughter was there, mm-hmm. and we. You did mention on the date we were on last night 
that we didn't go on a date even while we we're in Paris. Yeah. The baby with us. <laughs> yes. So the wedding's been wonderful. The date last night was wonderful. Life with you has been wonderful. Oh. Getting on this podcast with you is going to be fun. Yes. So. It's cool. Um, we had an awesome time. I loved the way we ended up deciding to do it because it was like absolutely redonkulous beforehand because of all the different changing plans. And then like we had already planned that trip to Paris. And then all of a sudden I decided, you know what? 11-11's got to be the day. We went to just elope and we had to plan it in like. 12 days kind of like the wedding oh yes yes, yes. all had the to plan the wedding yes. in 12 yeah, days yeah, yeah. um flowers and right. flying photographers right. and i did all of it so you didn't know it's to no. be fair no I, I know it's a lot it's just that i, I had that spot you know picked out a long yeah. time ago yeah so. where we got married um so yeah, so it's cool. So married life is good. How's it like um, being a dad? It's, <laughs> it's the last thing I can remember. I mean, I remember being 23. <laughs> and then all my memories since then have been being a dad. So. <laughs> David's been, a, been at this for longer than I have. The two special, amazing little children. Yeah. That are very opinionated and lovely. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. They're perfect. We're all opinionated here, so that's okay. Um, all right. Well, we we just wanted to get on here and chat with y'all um, to kind of catch you up on what's going on with us. But more importantly, uh, David being in my life is so wonderful because I feel that we have such a deep conscious relationship for the most part. And we have a lot of things in common and we are also, you know, differing on a lot of different things as well. But when it comes to our spirituality and our consciousness, we have these conversations at times that can go, they, if we didn't have children interrupting us, we would probably go four hours. Yes. That's <laughs> how our first date and everything has been, unless we need to just relax. Yeah. And then, and then we'll like, Smoke weed and watch a show. <laughs> right. But if we're not watching a show, we're just going to talk about stuff that's like really a lot. Kind of intense. Yeah. Yeah. There are times where I'm like, nah, babe, I can't. Like, this is not the combo I can have right now. And then I'm sure there are times where I do the same to you. <laughs> yeah, but I don't say that, though. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> okay. So let's, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll put in you a couple of questions. We were talking the other day um, briefly and we didn't get to discuss it very long. And I'm glad we didn't because I was like, I want to save that for the podcast. But I was watching this TikTok that I sent you. And just to tell them what it is, it's there's this uh, guy who's sitting on the floor and it's like point of view. Um, you're five years old and you've snapped into your consciousness. And so he's like playing with some toys and then there's like this <laughs> like very abrupt like tinnitus type of sound like oh suddenly he's like has this awareness or awakening and he's looking at this kid across from him who's playing with the ball and he's like the main character is like where am i what's going on why you know what's what's happening he's like we're on the moon all these kids around him <laughs> who aren't who aren't conscious they're yet. just screaming and making crazy noise and he's like you're on autopilot and turns to the teacher and say says why am i here why is the sun chasing me and like asking all these questions and she goes Okay, it's time for a nap. It's time for a nap. <laughs> but I was thinking about that because I was like, the snap into consciousness is a concept that's 
kind of weird anyway, but when, um, I was looking at the comments, I was seeing all these people talk about like, yeah, I don't remember anything before the age of three or yeah, I don't remember anything from the age of before seven or something like that. And the first thing I thought was like, well, that's probably maybe even trauma, like that can suppress some of those memories earlier, but you somehow can remember when you're far, like one years old, which to me is absolutely like inconceivable maybe before one and i figured out why before one i I figured out why i think okay so first off proof of concept i don't remember the name of the movie there's this movie about this kid that's either from africa or india i don't know but he's refugee and he hasn't been back to his country and then this is the movie was based off a true story and he's able to like go off of smells and sounds and he eventually finds himself back in the town that he's originally from and he had been separated from like birth and adopted. So there's no way he could have that unless it came to him in memory. So, and I realized why we're talking about uh, consciousness. Yeah. So the most coherent explanation of human consciousness I've ever heard is one, like a, a chain consciousness theory. So you've got, and what happens when the kid goes bang and he starts noticing yeah. stuff, he's connecting chain links together. So like there are memories and elements and character things that are just happening. That, and he's able to, for the first time, track the chain back and think about what was where before. he was last week and where he's going to be next week. And he's freaking out because he's just like, I've never thought about that before. Mm-hmm. So apparently... Uh, the memories that you have when you're a kid, they're not connected to a greater chain. They're definitely there. Mm-hmm. Like there's a bunch of emotional memories you have, but there are some important moments like that one time you were sick or the one time you fell down the stairs. Or when or, I fell out of the grocery basket. Right. <laughs> and, so, and I have a very early memory of me trying to reach up on the stovetop and grab the cookies that were cooling. And I put my hand on the hot, uh, uh, you know. Yeah. I remember that. Mm-hmm. And so, and that was probably beta size. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and you remember it. Yeah. Uh, but they're not connected in a chain. It's not, it's not linear. Yeah. So when you, you, you start putting your chain back, and if you can reclaim some of those memories and you're able to figure out where they go on the chain, you can backtrack the chain. The, uh, the chain. And so I think it's totally possible. And you have some, but like you said, they're like kind of floating there. You can't really figure out what you were doing before that. You don't remember what you were doing after that. Yeah. And that's kind of how those memories are. I don't remember what I was doing before that or after that, but I, there's a chain of events because I traveled a lot when I was a kid. So So you, you have that because you have more, it was less uh, monotony basically. So things that were, were very novel that would make an imprint in your mind. Right. But like like with this kid or whatever, with this analogy in the TikTok, him snapping into some sort of consciousness, it's 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 an awareness, not a memory right. that he's kind of highlighting, I guess. And so, but so for myself, like in that, like I'm having these memories of these like isolated events where there was pain or something when I was a kid, but there seems to be like, and this is kind of like what people were debating basically, like, that your your body is kind of just operating until a certain time period where your consciousness shows either shows up in the body or awakens finally in the body where you have an awareness that you're a human or a soul and like start to like 
the reason why children start to ask all these questions about what their world basically. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, they're new to the world. So I would imagine you'd ask a bunch of questions anyway. Why does this work like this? Why doesn't this work like this? If you had memories of that prior and like a past life or something, you might not ask those questions. But children, for instance, who figure stuff out really fast, people are always like, oh, like that's an old soul or something like that because they're having that chain link that they're able to link to before their life before their like pre-life memories. Right. Yeah. I mean, very possible. It's like weird to think about. <laughs> yeah, it is. But the best, I think the chain link memory thing didn't make a whole lot of sense. So the the creator of the chain link consciousness, and it is like one of the, it's like official, official philosophy. I don't know how official it gets, but professors <laughs> at big colleges yeah. like this chain consciousness idea. Um, but they were, the thought experiment they used to think about it, it goes, the ship breaks down mm-hmm. and they keep replacing parts of the ship. Every eventually they keep eventually using the ship. ship. The whole ship gets replaced, and then so they're as, asking question of identity and consciousness. Well, not consciousness, but in this case, yeah. identity. Is it the same ship? Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Well, it's not the same ship, but if you use a chain, you know, identity or chain consciousness, it was there were links that were added on the front, and there are links that dropped off the back." And there, mm-hmm. and and so, in that way, you can say the ship, for a fact, is the same ship. At least you can have coherence that way. Yeah. Because if you don't use the chain analogy, then you just frustrate it because you're just like you have identity crises with crises without a chain definition of identity and consciousness. I wonder about that because there is this uh, idea that like every time you have kind of an awakening. It's like putting that new panel on the ship. Right. And like and then another one falls away or has been replaced, basically. Right. And so at a certain point you get old enough, you've evolved quite a bit, and you don't think the same way that you thought when you were twenty or whatever. And so in a consciousness sense, like it's that is that that's the parallel you're likening it to, right? Right. So like when people literally say, I'm not the same person. Like I'm not the person you thought I was, or how why they say, um, what did you say? You said that something about cells. They change every seven years, like the mass amount of cells. Like you're basically got a new body every seven years. I've heard that. I don't I don't know how accurate it is. I don't know how accurate it is either, but it's funny because in a completely different sector, they talk about your friendships right. and how you run a seven-year cycle with most of your friends. Like, And I wonder if that's because like you're changing every cycle. Yeah. And it's like, ah, like I'm a whole different person. I don't identify or resonate with these people anymore or I just have a different idea or don't connect the same. And maybe it's because you're literally a different person. Right. Oh, and there's another large injustice in in that, you know, old ship becoming the new ship that's the exact same. The injustice is that in that opportunity, you could have changed the ship completely like little by little with a little bit more intentionality. So I think the analogy I would think in real life that would apply to that is like someone who has the opportunity to be completely different seven years from now, but they're still the exact same as they were in 2001. It's an opportunity. I mean, yeah. it's like um, it's like if you could, I know it's like you'd, you'd have to be really planned out really well, but you could systematically switch a, gas-powered car little by little not really it'd be a huge overhaul but if you're switching out components anyway you might as well just improve the car to where it's like well now it's got it's a hybrid 
you have to put a whole new engine in it anyway. You have to like, it's like when they do the the hot rods and they bring the old cars back. Yeah. But when they bring it back and it's 600 horsepower, you like, yeah, that's what we want to do to ourselves. <laughs> and so the injustice in my opinion is like, you had an opportunity to be completely different. <laughs> and didn't take it. And you didn't take it. But maybe somebody's happy with who they are. No. I <laughs> right. You don't want to be so different that you're not you. And yeah. with the chain identity and chain consciousness I, like idea, you know for a fact the old, the old one was me and the new one is equally me. And whatever came back further on the chain that I can't find, that was me as well. Like you yeah. have that confidence. Like you're not going to have that crisis where like, you know, the person you knew is dead and I'm like, <laughs> I mean, unless you have a traumatic brain injury or something like that, but like, that's besides the point. I think that like, when you, you mentioned the chain link thing, I think about like my childhood and my childhood, you know, at this point in my life, I feel like I should have more childhood memories than I do. And I remember very specific events, but like, I think I can count them on two hands. Like it's not, I don't have a, like a lot of childhood memories somehow. Um, that's even weird me saying that almost. It's like, I remember my childhood through feeling and through just like pictures and stuff that we've seen. It's like, oh yeah, I remember that dress or, or I remember like more as obviously as I got older, but like as a little kid, like I don't have a lot of like connection to that information. Now the, the weird part of this is that one time I did a past life regression um, where uh, we were doing like pre-life memories or something like that. And it was like, I, what came through was that like it, I, I had stopped at three and everything else that I remember was like a download basically of the soul who decided to trade out my body. And I thought that sounds super fucking weird. <laughs> like I've never heard of that, never seen it. I looked it up afterwards and then saw that there were other people who had said they encountered that or um, other hypno notice hypnotherapists that have said that yeah like there have been uh, quite a few patients who say that they started their soul came into this body at this time and so that kind of weirds me out I don't know how I like think about that like that seems kind of weird then it meant, meant that I didn't choose my parents or you know okay like, you know what I mean like the idea yeah. that people choose their parents when they come in and I was like well maybe I did maybe I was like actually I want those parents you got to get out let me come in I don't know. That sounds super weird to think about, <laughs> but I don't know. Like there's, there's something, uh, about that stupid TikTok <laughs> that had spurred and the comments like spurred this kind of thought of like, Hmm, you know, when do we spur or spawn that consciousness? Like when do we really start to become aware that we're not just, you know, playing with our Legos or something like that, that we actually start to ask questions about our, our soul and, and like what we're doing here. Did Courtney and Teddy ever like come into that and start asking questions about those kinds of things? Where did I come from and things like that? Like, yeah. Like who am I and what am I doing here? Like, did they ever mention, like they remember being somewhere before they got here? Like anything like that? They didn't do any of that. <laughs> no. Okay. They weren't huge talkers. Mm -hmm. I think when they were younger, they were just really well, really, really good observers and yeah. and they were hilarious and clever <laughs> when you know but like they didn't on their own without prompting think about those things like mm -hmm. i think they existed more in the moment and spent a lot of their energy just observing everything they possibly could yeah more like me i have two things to say yeah 
one of them goes way back to me claiming that I can remember maybe before one. The reason I'm more confident about that, just so that people are listening, they're just like, I'm stuck on the fact that David <laughs> thinks he remembers stuff when he's three months here, three months old. Um, the reason I'm more confident about that is because where I was born is like a mountainous desert region. We left that to move to Germany at a certain age. And it was a mountainous region, but very different. So there are these very different landscapes that I was in for like the first eight years of my life. And so there were these memories that I wasn't sure were real. But when I finally in high school or junior high, high school area age, went back to El Paso, Texas in New Mexico, White Sands, New Mexico, and I'm looking around, I'm just like, oh no, I thought I made that up or dreamed it. That was a memory. I know this street. And the mm -hmm. tennis court was exactly where it was supposed to be. Like all these other yeah. things and the hospital, like just all, all the things. And it was at that point and only that point that I was more confident. Like, that's really weird. I remember stuff from ages I should not. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing about being able to pick your parents. I, I agree. That's, that's weird. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not bad per se. There is this but one. But kids heard kids say that. Yeah, like not prompted, not like spiritual, like someone who's out of left field being like, "Man, my kids said that they they chose me that when they were in heaven or such, such you know, like they would have that kind of like awareness to say something like that." Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't disagree with it. I think it's totally possible. There is. I have a. Um, an emotional block in my mind when I think about it. Mm. Uh, because there is this really classic movie. I didn't see the whole thing. It's probably from like the 70s or early 80s. Uh, <laughs> it is from a movie uh, about a mixed kid. Mm -hmm. like, And that was really a, apparently something special. And I don't even think he was mixed. He was just really, really light-skinned where people thought he was white. Mm -hmm. And that was the whole point of the movie. It was shocking. What's apparently. the name of the movie? You remember? I got to look it up. Oh. And it came out in the 70s or 80s. But there's this moment where he's ranting. He is mad at his mom because his mom expects more out of his life. And his response is, I know for a fact I did not ask to be born in this body with this color in this city at this time. You did that to me. You made that choice for me. It was part of his rant. And, yeah. and, and, and to be honest, it was a very powerful. Yeah. And it just kind of sticks in my mind because it's those people <laughs> with those kind of life experiences that you really bump into if yeah. you were to suggest that, like, you picked this. And then there's some people who had a certain experience that were just like, do not yeah. ever so, suggest that I picked this. This this is the, I have probably the most trouble with that idea. Yeah. And like you know, from this, from a spiritualist's point of view, lots of people say like, well, you have karma and contracts and you came in like knowing like this would be like, for instance, if we looked at, if we looked at our existence as like a blip on the map, right? Like it's right. like super, super fast according to like no time universe, whoever galactic, I don't know. Like if we're out there and it's just like a teeny, teeny, teeny dip, like, and we're just like, all right, I'll experience this. I'll have the most terrible this or whatever, because it's almost like putting yourself on a roller coaster. Right. Like, 
why do we put ourselves on really scary roller coasters or put ourselves through uh, paranormal, uh, you know, like haunted houses and stuff? Because in some aspect that we're entertained by fear. Right. And so this is the concept. I'm just setting it up for you. This is not necessarily what I believe by the book, but if that's the case, then it's just like a snippet. It's not the type of suffering that we feel in real time. Now, that could also be people just rationalizing why some people have really shitty lives and other people don't. And why is it like that? What, are, what is it according to the rules of our universe that some people have the worst experience possible? And we see the type of hate and and racism and homophobia and like all, all of the things, right? Like, why do we see so much of that? And this is all for our growth. Like, why do it this way? Is there no other universe or no other option? Or is this the only like experiment planet where we have to go through this kind of crap? It sucks. But the idea that someone has pre-selected like uh, a mother or whatever, like there's contracts and cycles that we go in. If we were going in and taking this kind of test, then we would so show up in the same soul groups basically mm -hmm. and say okay this 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 lifetime i'm gonna be an awful mom to you i'm gonna be this and it'll teach you this this and this and you sign up for this and you're gonna be like this kind of son or you know whatever and that's how some people explain that it works i don't know that it works that way all i know is that like when i watch when i watch stuff about like people who have had great abuse done to them i just i can't fathom it i right. can't fathom like where that would have been a choice and you knew going in that that was something that was going to happen to you. I struggle with that a lot. And right. I think that the way that Western privilege explains it off is through this process of like, you chose it. So it's also opposed to a karmic worldview as well. Yeah. Now I think you might be able to hold both views of, I picked this, but you might not have. So <laughs> like, like that can fit in the same universe. So you've got, you've got, you know, a large part of the spiritual community, especially on the Christian side, where they're just like, oh, this is something that God put me through as a test, and uh, I I wouldn't be in this test if I couldn't handle it. It's, prescri it's prescribed. Mm. It's medicine prescribed mm. by the doctor. And that's actually, it's a mindset that can get you through some stuff. I don't know if it's It's very the best. good coping. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's good. not great, but... And then so you've got this idea now where there's like a, a council that's... that's prescribing you life experiences <laughs> that you know aren't that are bitter but yeah. good medicine and that's the best way i suppose you could put it i don't know that's even that's hard yeah like still the people who are just like don't you ever suggest <laughs> <laughs> that this life was good for me in any way you know like yeah. it was poison and i made it life you know mm -hmm. there yeah. are people who have those experiences but there is space for like, maybe I'm like administrative or I went to administrative and I picked something <laughs> and then you went to administrative and it's like, I can't, I don't have the stomach to pick it, prescribe something. Uh, so ooh. there's room for both. Like it's not either or karmic, it's either or. Like you can't really yeah. mess with karma and dharma and suggest like, oh, it's medicine. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, and maybe, maybe there's a bridge there too. Like... I don't know. Like you could go up and be like, I've got a karma dharma issue. And they're just like, well, <laughs> this is what we can prescribe. You know, because then then there's like not the brutality of the karma dharma where it's just like you messed up and it's like based and off then of you the have, merit like, yeah, points. Yeah. If like let's hope the and heavenly council never, like, how do you catch up? Like yeah. if you messed up a bunch and it's like, oh now I gotta spend like the next eighteen thousand years like trying to like So so hopefully this heavenly council is gonna sit there and, and listen to you and say, Oh, 
But well, what, the- what happened to you in your past life was a disease kind of thing. <laughs> it's not like you knew what you were doing and it was bad. You were symptomatic. So then hopefully you get a prescriptive life. But who selected the high heavenly council? Like, again, <laughs> if we're spiritualists, that means that we're still abiding by the idea of God and like, or the, the high priest, I don't know, you know what I mean? Some sense of authority or someone who's above us in some way or another. And like, if we're collective consciousness, are we not creating this experience together? And if we are creating this experience together, why the fuck does it suck so much? Right. The world is a bit more brutal than I can suggest that the karmic like like the karma dharma might justify most of it yeah the prescriptive and i picked this that that's some that's some stuff that some people just will never accept like ever i think i think that the world as far as i know it and even the spiritual world might abide by the same rules where life is precious (laughs) And there are elements that not all the elements in existence, whether it be physical or spiritual, are eager to protect life. So like humans, we spent most of our existence, the the, the 40,000 years we were looking and acting like us, that everything in the world was trying to kill us, it seems, you know, like, and that's been our experience uh, in the physical world. And I don't want to say this, it's just scary, but like that might very possibly be the reality of the spiritual world as well. So like you'd want to know your friends and allies in the real world to survive that. And if that's the mirrored reality in the spiritual world, you would want to know your friends and allies as well. That's scary to think about. Because you wouldn't (laughs) just assume that every single one is of good nature. Is of good nature. And that's what I think is most likely so what like wait so you are a self-proclaimed atheist yes yeah yes and so, as far as faiths go yes yes okay um so in that like how do you hold position of entertaining even these kinds of things because you know what like we're gonna do a cute little pivot here um but like being able to speak about spiritual things, you know what I do for a living, you know what I semi believe or don't believe in the areas I orbit around. And we have very interesting discussions because we have at times very different beliefs about things. And actually one of the questions I get the most is like, how do you do a relationship with someone who has very different beliefs than you do? And so I'm curious before we get to that part, that's where we're headed though. But like as an atheist, how do you consider like the aspects of, of challenging your spirituality is the, do atheists have spirituality? Uh, yeah. I would say this one does. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) this is a weird fact, but American atheists are like the most religious atheist on the planet. So uh, apparently, you know, in comparison to Europe, when someone goes atheist, they're just, they're just done. They're just like, cool. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, I don't need it. Mm -hmm. In America, when you go atheist, there's like communities that start up, like Oasis and all the other ones that are like Oasis, where there's secular meetings and it looks exactly like, like a church, church. service. <laughs> and they just they just like I gotta meet with people, mm-hmm. like I gotta do it. We gotta do the potluck. The crock pot's <laughs> gotta be going. I gotta meet the people, and so it's like even when we don't have religion and we could just be done with it. 
so many atheists are just like, I'm obsessed with it. And I want to, <laughs> I want to like, I want to evangelize. That's the other thing. Yeah. American atheists evangelize a lot so because American to... atheists are very religious. But maybe that's an American trait. It Like when we're really like, I love these eyelashes. You have to try these eyelashes. You know what I mean? Like right. we're very in your face about like, I know what's best. And it's like a type of arrogance that Americans might may carry. You know what I mean? Like, like even with spirituality, look at American spirituality and like how Western and like very like, you know, it, it it's almost like it turned into church again. Yeah. And and they're out. Yeah. Like, no, you're right. You're right. Spiritualists turn it into church Americans again. Americans yeah. then go to Bali to do their services and stuff and like, and get healed by other Americans. Yeah. It's wild. It's weird. So I think that's an American trait. It might but be. anyway, tell me about the atheists. <laughs> as far as faiths go, um, I still use a lot of religions, faiths, rituals, and I entertain it and explore it and consider it seriously. As an atheist, it's just that I'm not putting a whole lot of weight. Like, so I entertain the possibility, but I'm not going to put any any weight on that. It's an energetic auditing for you. Right. It's energetic energetic auditing. So basically, it's like, these are the beliefs. How much energy do I put into these beliefs? How much do these beliefs serve me? Are these beliefs safe? Very few things pass. Is, does it serve me? And is it safe as well? Mm -hmm. But that depends on your definition of safety. Right. If you've had certain experiences in your past where you have a lot less tolerance for it, then you're just like, can't. Can't, do, can't it. do it. Mm -hmm. Like I'm sorry, and that's that's the other thing about American atheists is that some of the European atheists are just honest, true atheists. Mm -hmm. Right? They're just like I don't know anything about God, haven't never thought about it, and maybe honestly have never thought about it. In America, a lot of us are emotional atheists, which means like we had an experience that was bad in the Bible Belt about, yeah. or something, and we're just like holy crap! I cannot cannot go down any of those roads even if my family members are on them and i yeah. had to go down those roads to see certain family members yeah i just can't yeah and so well what's interesting about that is statistically more men are atheists than women are i didn't and know that i yeah that's seemingly to be i've looked it up once or twice i don't know but if that be the case if that stat is true like the aspect of being an emotional atheist is interesting because the 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 need to tap into that emotional response, it tends to be more, at least the atheists that I know are very like, it, there is absolutely nothing, you know, like they're mad about it. Yeah. And it's not, like you said, that emotional investment to it because they had a lot to lose at some point. And it's because I think in America, we don't, we don't allow for men to be able to express them, at least traditionally in the past, to express themselves as much, to have that emotional, like, outward expression so when they get hurt by something it's almost like the same like in relationships like if you get hurt by a woman it's like oh fuck it they're hoes now and blah 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 you know like the willingness to open up and be brave to believe in something again leaves them vulnerable and it, it's kind of okay like this is obviously glaring like stereotypes right yeah that. so for religion i don't know that it necessarily needs to be reworked especially with atheists because even if there are evangelistic atheists and even if they are perfect buttholes <laughs> perfect just jerks they're still perfectly kind, round they're, they're kind of still punching up maybe atheists being really outspoken in america and england i think i should say uh those areas 
are because of the, the giant they're punching up at. <laughs> so they're extra punchy. Mm -hmm. And that might justify some of them. Now, the religiousness of atheists, that's not. That has nothing to do with it because not of them all, all of them are evangelistic and they all like still need like it's part of the path of healing i think i just read that american <laughs> atheists are super religious and in some cases more religious than the non-religious spiritual like i mean so okay i was an atheist for like a second like two years maybe and when it i was this way it was because of the hurt i experienced from the rejection of my church and my even my own family upon deciding to live with my boyfriend at the time and that being like excommunication like viable so i said i don't want to be a part of anything that is going to you know cross your daughter out or your friend out or whatever for a choice they made for their own life that's stupid so I decided to go the complete opposite other route and say there's absolutely nothing that exists. And more so because I was just in pain. I was in a lot of pain and I couldn't, on an energetic audit level, I just couldn't entertain anything else. Like I needed to be able to say, this is a choice that I'm making. It was almost like an act of rebellion. And maybe people have different experiences around that specifically because they're not raised in such a harsh Christian environment. Right. Like, so culturally this might like, maybe this doesn't ring to a lot of you who are listening, but those of us who are raised under like the strong thumb of Christianity, like either we found our ways out of it or we leaned into it. And so I think that there's a lot of like religious trauma associated with that culturally, at least for me. And because of that, I needed to have a stronger stance than the fear or guilt that I was getting from the oppressive side. I yeah. was like almost like a boundary needing to set that boundary. So that religion, like anti-religion, you know, thing ended up becoming my own religion saying, look, this is why it doesn't exist because you're wrong and you hurt me. You suck. Right. Perfect asshole. Right. You know, so there's that part, I think like, and then once I, you know, since once it started to simmer and things started to chill out a bit and I, and I got outside of like a really toxic relationship, I started to discover myself again and started to have that awareness come back in, check back in and go, well, I don't believe that there's nothing. But me and you had this conversation about that um, after my aunt passed that really spurred this like awakening in me. And like I did another, uh, I did a podcast on it. Some of you guys have heard it. Um, but this this aspect of of like, wow, we spend a lot of time thinking about what happens in our afterlife and not thinking about what happens in our life. And how does that energetically serve me? Right. Like audit wise. Right. So anyway, back to my original question. How do we do conscious relationship when we have a variety of very differing beliefs and practices? Are you asking me like you don't know? <laughs> I know. I'm like asking your opinion. Oh, okay. All right. <clears throat> well, um, I have an openness for spirituality. So it's not like it's not like um, I'm a militant atheist. It would be difficult, mm -hmm. I feel like, living with a militant Anybody. In anybody, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. And they're just like, and so anytime they have the opportunity to take a punch at life, they just be like, oh, this is- Your dumb oracle cards. Yeah, this is dumb. <laughs> you know, just always punching. It's not punching up at the church. It's like punching at something someone cares about. Yeah, and, and that's- <laughs> Right, sucks. yeah. So we're not doing any of that. Um, my openness for spirituality, the way it- works is complicated. I don't think we have any real disagreement.
agreements there, other than that you are still a very avid open seeker. And seekers are even a different type. They're, they're just they're just different. They're different than magic users. They're different than well, maybe there, there's some overlap there. They're just they're just different types. So when someone is a seeker, especially in the spiritual world, or like a, a UFO thing, or alternative historical narratives, mm -hmm. that's the nice way to say. Uh, conspiracy but alternative historical <laughs> <laughs> alternative historical narratives and they're they're just leaning into it being like there's got to be a different there's got to be something else mm -hmm. uh seekers are different and they're a breed of unto themselves and you are a seeker i don't have the energy <laughs> when i do energy audits i don't have the energy to be a seeker because i have been a seeker before in certain aspects and my thing was more mysticism. So mm -hmm. I was more, I was probably raised into a mystical branch of Christianity. So I would have been a deeply practicing mystic mm -hmm. while I was Christian and after I was Christian. He used to trance, speak in tongues for hours at a time. <laughs> right. So there is, you know, there's, there's meditation methods and self-hypnotizing by uh, using mantras, repeating the same thing over and over again. Uh, and speaking in tongues is no different. You can totally put yourself into a trance state. That way you can reprogram yourself. Mm -hmm. You can make deep changes about, like basically gives you the power to brainwash yourself, mm -hmm. which is good if you're conscious and you care about your own sovereignty and stuff like that. Yeah, It's an issue if there's a, a religious group who is involved every step of the way yeah. while you're getting while you're putting yourself in a self-trance state and then they make suggestions mm -hmm. about what you should change. Uh, that's, uh, I use both. Looking for that power. Right, and, and they, they push and pull and, and, and are very active in the changes you make. And so that's my thing, I was, I was a mystic. And so the things about mysticism is that you have these super powerful personal experiences. You have these moments of tran transcendence where you're just like, whoop, pop, you're bigger than your body, you're out of your body, or not really out of it, but like you're just, something has changed. Something fundamentally different has changed about how your brain is functioning uh -huh. and where you are in that time space. Yeah. And you have, you feel powerful because you go out of it and you'd be like, I can transport to a whole nother level. I, and I know the steps to do it and I'm in control of it. Um, and then there are different methods and different, you start seeing different mystics and some of them overlap a lot. Like, uh, Tarot cards are still pretty cool. Ching <laughs> is super cool because mm -hmm. it's it's in that same same like kind of like subspace where if you spend enough time there, it's like it's I don't know it's mysticism yeah. anyway. So that, you are that's in... what I was I was mystic and so the the searching I was doing was in an inner universe. Mm -hmm. I didn't really care if there were aliens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not looking for UFOs because I was just like, I don't care if they're UFOs. Yeah. So that made you at the, I mean, now in current stage, like. Still kind of a mystic because no, I still know how to do it. Very much still a mystic, but right. like not a seeker. And so you use those practices more as like types of self-care to get clarity from yourself or get connection to yourself, but not necessarily to a higher power or external. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're just, it's kind of like um, hacking. 
Yeah. Self-hacking. <laughs> Self-hacking. So whereas with me, I still participate in very much the mystical aspects of things. And I enjoy that very much. Um, but then there's this other part of me that's like really wanting to make sense of the outside world at the time. Like not as much anymore. I think like I spent my last three and a half years on the show, just like thinking and thinking and thinking and really trying to figure it out. And there's still things that come up that surprise me, but now I'm more comfortable with not knowing. Like I would always liken myself closer to a agnostic than, right. you know, um, any particular label specifically, but like more on like our relationship, like you said, like you're, you have an openness. And I think that that is why like things work so well for us. We, I had a very emotional reaction when my aunt passed and I asked you like, what do you think happens when we die? And I realized we had never had this conversation and we had very different views about, you know, what was going on there. And you were like, I think you just die. And I was like, what, you know, um, after coming down from being like emotional about like grief and stuff like that, um, I came to this like reckoning of like, oh man, that was like the way that I reacted felt almost disrespectful to like what you believed and what you thought was beautiful because I was having a hard time processing what was going on. And like, but normally like outside of that one example, like we're both pretty open. Like you say you one thing and I ask you questions about it and I feel like that's chill and cool and like same goes both ways. I think like we're both cancers and we're both like, let's go with the flow and pretty on the same page. But like, I know that a lot of people struggle with that in their relationships, feeling like they had, they found some newfound spirituality and their partner has not. And suddenly there's this, this bridge that they have to walk together where it's like, either you're going to come with me on this bridge or you're not going to come at all. And so do would you have any advice for people who are in situations where one of them has maybe found spirituality and they're really like, you know, really like into it and they feel like their partner, they want their partner to like in, enjoy that with them. You know, they want to be able to have that life with them mm-hmm. without feeling like um, they, they're, they're coming at a disconnect. It's about goals. It's about what your intention and your goal is. So I think, I think that the goal and the, intention should be to be the best version of yourself you can be and to be the partner you would want if you decide you know like and if some any of you have like parents who are religious one way or another or in a cult or whatever and they accept you they just wish that they could convince you that they are right Mm -hmm. like 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 I can convince you. I just wish that you weren't going to hell, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so there's that, there is that looming over the relationship always. If the person thinks like they changed mm-hmm. and they want me to change too, or they are, they think they're right. Well, I think I'm right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, those, those, those goals and aspirations, the, one, the desire to be right is reasonable. But it's not, it has to be completely, you can't care about being right anymore. And a lot of, a lot of people in a lot of relationships, that's still an issue yeah. where it's just like they're arguing and they're just like, is this argument going to have a purpose? Like there's some argument, arguing that's really good. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's talk about it now before we argue about it later. Let's mm-hmm. talk about it now and get into an argument as long as it's controlled and we have some direction to it. 
Yeah. Instead of waiting till later when we have an argument that is completely blown up and <laughs> it's about has no direction. Else. Right. Yeah. And we, 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 all of our emotions and all of our slights are in that one argument instead of having intentional, like, discussion. Yeah. Let's, let's have a discussion that might turn into an argument. But there are a lot of couples who haven't even understood that first basic element of like the argument's purpose wasn't to figure out who was right. Yeah. The argument, the purpose yeah. of the argument was that we come to some common ground and find out where that is and get the emotions out. Yeah. Um, and let it be our, um, like our cumulative issue yeah. and not just your issue you carry and yeah. my issue I carry. And so uh, the process is going to be to have controlled discussions that might very well turn into arguments as long as you are willing willing to do it then uh, with, with agreeing in yourself and your partner might struggle with it. So you might lose. Mm -hmm. Like if you're the first one to be like, I'm not going to care about what's right. I'm going to care about our relationship. But the other person you're in a relationship with cares about who's right. Right, yeah. Then that means you might just choose to lose a little bit until they catch on that. <laughs> and they might never. I mean, that's a problem. And that's a problem. You have to have a conversation about that. That's something <laughs> that's that's outside of spirituality. Right. That's yeah. just like common respect for but, somebody. But still they could just have to do the same thing. Let's have a dis discussion mm -hmm. that might very, very well turn into an argument yeah. about how you care about being right. And that's not our priority as a couple. And, as a couple, yeah, because we're both humans, and we live in a century of considerable information, but still, there's a huge amount of ignorance. Right. So, like, hey, probably in some capacity or both capacity, we're both wrong, and that's a mature thing to say. Well, let's talk about maturity because, <laughs> like, in that, when we think about relationships in general. Me and you have both been married before. Right. And we both had marriages that have been really tumultuous to our emotional states or could have been and things that we learned coming out of those relationships. And so in that, like, we're not going to speak shit on anybody. Obviously, they we are who we are because of right. them. Right. Um, but what I'm saying is, is that after, after experiencing that, I think me and you personally, like, I don't, I don't have the idea that I want to be right all the time that comes up. And I know it comes up for you too. It comes up for everyone. But like most of the time when we're sitting down and talking about something and it may start to get fusty as the word I like to use, okay. <laughs> um, it's it, like in our heart, it is our true intention that we don't, we're not trying to hurt the other person. Like I think like we genuinely come together and are like, I really want you to understand where I'm coming from or what it is that I'm, I'm saying, I'm not coming from this understanding of like, I want to be right. And I need you to shut up, you know, like it's like a mutual respect. And so I think for most people, if you're dealing with that in a relationship where you have a different point of view, don't come with the ulterior motive to change that person. Like if there's something about you that's changed and you're awakening and you're finding your spirituality, whatever that, is, I mean, it could be ceramics for all I care, but like if you're trying to make your partner interested in that thing when that's not how you met them i i'm not gonna say don't bet on them changing but like just enjoy you like enjoy what you're doing enjoy what you're learning and it's it's beautiful and lovely to share that with someone but if you have that kind of pressure of like you be there oh and even if you don't say it but you still have it as a part hidden motivation 
the person feels it. They feel it. And then it's like suddenly they don't feel like they're enough for you. Then that causes tension in the area of like, well, you know, maybe I don't know if it goes this far for everybody, but it like, are they going to leave? Like, are they like not interested in me anymore? Or maybe they even feel threatened by the spirituality. Now you have sudden interest in this and you're talking to people and like, I'm, I'm jealous now that you have this thing that I can't connect to. Like those conversations really need to be had. I think like when me and you talk about spirituality, like there, at some point there was a point where you changed, you change. And, and like, I didn't know when we first got together that you had become an atheist and that was a surprise. I mean, I was probably still pretty intensely seeking, desperately yeah. seeking when we were together. Yeah. When we I was first put, got together. I was putting my last mounted energy into, <laughs> into seeking. <it>. And <clears throat> then at some point I was just like, well, this is what I do. This is the most I can believe in. Yeah. And I can tell you what that is, I guess. I mean, yes, I would love to hear that. They would love to hear that. But I think what I'll say first is that that being a surprise to me had me have a certain reaction. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute, like more so not because of what you believe, but because I thought, what? I, I didn't, I didn't ask you these questions. Like I was almost kind of mad at myself. Like, what have we just been skating by in parenthood? Like, have we not been sitting down and having these conversations? And it made me feel distance with you. And that scared me. And it's not because like of what you believed. It was more so because like we talk so much. Right. <laughs> and I was like, how did this not come up? You know, like this feeling that there could be a a, a disconnect in our our like our, our wavelength almost, you know. Right. It was threatening the unit almost. And like not ultimately, but like in that moment in time where I had this panic of like, <gasps> do I not know him like I think I do? And it just being like, you come to, came to some resolve. We just hadn't gotten to it yet. And that being okay. You know, like yeah. I had to deal with that in my own time. I then came back and apologized for how I reacted because I was so fraught about it. You know, like when it was like, this is just some, some realization you came upon and hadn't shared with me yet. Right. And we don't and have it, to. And it's not, <laughs> it's not like this realization. I'm like, I'm not certain there's no, no God. Yeah. I'm just like. You ended up there. No. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like I'm not I'm not putting any energy into looking for God or the uh, ultimate universal driver or anything like that. I mean, those multidimensional entities from outside my physical world would need to put considerable and intentional clear <laughs> intervention in my life for me to even start noticing. Yeah. Um, so and I'm not opposed to that either. Uh, but it's just, I just, I can't seek. I'll stumble. I, I, I would stumble. I mean, like if I, if we're out in the desert and I'm trying, you know, I'm not sinking, but I'll stumble. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not looking. This is funny. But if I'm if we're out in the desert and we're like, oh, hey, we found some 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 something, we're gonna trip out, and I'd be like, well, I met God, had a conversation with him on the couch. No questions. Uh, and I was just, I would I would go off of that as an internal experience from that point on. I wouldn't really think about it much. Um, but yeah, as far as energetic seeking, like the, the human desire to seek God or seek the universe or seek that cosmic direction or believe in that plan, just, you I'm, not, I'm not seeking, I'm not putting energy into that yeah. mechanism to get any energy out. So what are you? 
putting energy into? <laughs> a lot of energetic auditing. Okay, let's <laughs> talk about that. Um, well, I mean, I will say what what I believe real quick, or what I'm what I'm closest to believing. Okay. Um, because I'm a mystic, mm-hmm. of course, I'm going to resonate more with people like uh, other famous mystics like Carl Jung and. Watts, Alan Watts, like those guys. Alan Watts. Those guys are pretty cool, and you don't even really have to believe in, you know, a traditional god to to roll with that. Yeah. Uh, with Carl Jung's ideas, there is um, a collective consciousness that have archetypes. Once you put into those conscious and identity kind of channels, we're connected to that through that mechanism. So things that happen to my parents. Whether that was my pre-life or not, or my pre-existence or my re- pre-incarnation, it doesn't matter. Those chains connect to my chain, mm-hmm. and in some way they feed into my chain, and that keeps going back to everyone. And so all these chains connect ultimately to one consciousness at some point. Double we, helix. We might not be able to find <laughs> the path back. Yeah. But, and there's very, very potential, there's like the very real potential that wherever that space and wherever that link happens, there can be exchanges of information. So the world mm-hmm. is weird. And I believe the world is weird. There are people who just sense like somebody died and I know it. And yeah. they were right. Yeah. And it's documented. Yeah. Um, and there are people who remember things they shouldn't remember. I mean, like there's just all kinds of- You, of all people. <laughs> <laughs> That's just for my life, but there are people who do that for other for lives. other people, yeah. And other people, and, and there's just, so I know the world is weird. And some of that weirdness might be able to be explained by Carl Jung's collective consciousness. And Alan Watts, his whole thing is the cosmos intentionally or God- I guess, to intentionally forgetting parts of himself so that he can rediscover other parts of himself. And it's just this kind of dance where it's like, oh, I forgot he was over there. I, look, <laughs> I like that. And then and then intentionally forgetting this continual learning kind of purpose, but not progressive learning. Alan Watts is a very circular learning where it's just like, I learned something I learned 10 million years ago. <laughs> That was Hooray. pleasant. No, yeah, it's circular. It's not progressive, and so it's not quite as fun. But they're both mystics, so that's perfect for for mystics. Mystics are just we'll go in circles all day because yeah, because it helps the whole process. Um, and so that is part of my belief. Now, like I said before, what I find most likely is if there are gods and entities and councils, I would not be likely to trust them because I'm human. Yeah, and, you said something to me one time where you were like, if I have the attention of these gods or these people or entities, then I might want to be careful because their interests may not be uh, savory. Right. It might be self-serving. Yeah. Like, is Which this like- is, it's mostly anyway. <laughs> like, if I mean, if our guides are on their own ascension or expansion, then they've been assigned to guide us because it's like an obligation almost, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, well, I, just, I don't know. The issue is I don't know. I don't know. Right. The, the, mo- the issue is the motivation. Yeah. So the issue isn't, is there gods, angels, aliens? Really, that-, that scares me. <laughs> like when you said that the first time, I was like, oh, I don't like that. Like, I don't like that feeling. But it's it's a possibility. It's like, it is a possibility. It's not one I'm willing to entertain. It's just like, because to me, it, like when, when I have connection to guides or I'm channeling or especially like when I'm reading cards or whatever, like messages just come through. And they seem to be so, not just spot on, but like helpful to the other person. So like, 
from personal experience, I just don't feel that it is malicious, but I'm not saying it, it is malicious. And it, and it would have to be like subjective, right? Because if there was, if, you know, say we're the aliens that took over the world and the dinosaurs are like, and, you know, we're using them for fossil fuel now, but like, you know <laughs> what? what I'm saying? Like we're here on this earth, like really benefiting from this planet and like all that. Like what if we're the bad guys? Even if that's true, <laughs> there's this unfortunate connection of prioritizing biology. Like I'm going to prioritize my own kids, my own family. Right. I'm going to have a preference for the things that we like. Like we like dogs. <laughs> we, like, <laughs> we like other humans. And yeah. we're really preferential to humans, dogs, horses. And if anybody's hurting them, we're we, mad. we go blind mad. So maybe those entities are just partial to us. Maybe we're like puppies. I don't like that. But yeah, no, it's possible. Um, there are different different like levels of connection. But the issue is my levels of connection, I I know, right? I feel connected to the cosmos as a whole. I feel connected mostly to my ch my children, to you. Uh, and those are the ones that are going to get the biggest emotional response out of me. And as far as things outside of that, they're less human. I don't know if they have kids like I have kids. I don't know how they feel about their kids if they have <laughs> kids. There's just all these other things. And so in my head, there's this huge player who, unfortunately, is 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 a racist. But now we're in the fictional, right? I talked about Alan Watts. I talked about Carl Jung. And now H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who's not a great person. And he... H.P. Lovecraft has a has something called xenophobia, and it does play into his cosmic view. But and it didn't help him. Like his xenophobia translates into racism. So very, but, so, very so let's, ardently. <laughs> so, but it, let's entertain just the idea of the biggest concepts he he did okay. because right. <laughs> I'll entertain it. So his xenophobia, xenophobia is like the distrust of a different culture and you know, people group, people that didn't look like him, sound like him, or what he thought people should look like and sound like he was afraid of. And that played into his horror. But cosmicism is, let's call it agnostic. Like, they, like he didn't know whether there were gods. And basically, he was like, how would I know? The issue that if there are gods or not isn't the biggest problem. The problem is if they are, what are their motivations? Mm -hmm. And so he carried over his xenophobia into the spiritual world. And so there are these gods and these entities and stuff. And many of them, if not all of them, are malicious. Mm -hmm. And there are very few true allies among them. But it's true to his experience. Um, now, I'm not going to say like that. And that's the biggest, that's the biggest and kind of worst one, but. It's just kind of where I'm at. Who I know are my allies, mm -hmm. are who I'm connected to as far as humans. So I'm a humanist. Uh, collective consciousness. So the people whose consciousness and experience bump up against mine, I care about them because things that affect them affect you are going to affect me. Um, and so it's selfish, but like it's we're connected that way. It's it's too enmeshed for me not to care what other humans go through. Right. Like if it can, if human, if, if there are injustices against human rights in other countries, there can be a injustice about human rights in our own, yeah. you know? So it's like, it matters. 
And then so the issue with Jesus and any of the other entities that are essentially aliens, they're basically aliens. Like mm -hmm. they're not, they don't come from where you come the from. The son of God. Well, I, yeah. I don't want to call Jesus an alien. I'm going to get in trouble. Anyway. No, I've called Jesus an alien. Like in trouble where? I don't know. I'm just. <laughs> it's spiritual shit. I'm just saying uh, that. I have the issue now of alien motivations. Mm -hmm. And the only problem with the alien motivations is I just, I don't know the whole story. Yeah. And I, and it would be <laughs> really hard to ever know the whole story. <laughs> but if you ask me to be like, these are some aliens, you're going to jump out of here with no parachute and these aliens, you know, nothing about are going to catch you. Then I'm just like, that's, that's the faith level that religions ask. True. And so it's just a lot. And it's not that I distrust them. So then I said, well, there's no telling who the council is. And, and my allies are the various kind of collective human archetypes that kind of drive us, pull us, push us, you know, um, and my ancestors. <laughs> and so those who I, I know through even atheist reasoning for a cosmic and a spiritual possibility those are my allies, and those are the people I need to band with. So it sounds weird, but I got to roll with my ancestors. <laughs> I got to stick with my ancestors. But that's a type of spirituality it as is. well. Like, it is. I didn't say I was void of spirituality. <laughs> You're just void of God. I just, uh, yeah, as far as like... <laughs> Some overriding... Right, the big, the council, the people yeah. who are supposedly in charge. Yeah. And wait, then at wait, the same wait. time... If there's no afterlife, which is what atheist textbook believe, right? Yeah. Then how do you believe in the spirituality of ancestors? Because like collective like, consciousness gone, connects with ancestors. Okay. So my so that they're still existing in the consciousness. That my, that's essentially my afterlife. very real identity, my very real consciousness, even the way that genetics affects my personality, directly relates to what worked and what choices my ancestors did. Mm -hmm. So like. So you don't That's see them very... as individual entities that are like, go ahead, David, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, we got you or like protecting you from car accidents or anything like that. Like, so, you believe that your ancestors are supportive of you through the collective consciousness that you're most still connected to their information, like a data bank almost that's in the cloud. Yeah. Like, like some weird, there is a potential for some weird place where there might be some sort of data storage. But not like a conscious entity that's like... Watching and, out for you. And not individuals. No. Not like individuals. so so my ancestors would be meld back into Right, the right. Like 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 the archetype. Like there's a super type of a person or moment or mood. Uh there would be a conglomerized ancestors <laughs> bank. Right. No, because it wouldn't just be one ancestor. You don't just have like one ancestor back there. You have like, enough to represent the, the variety of experience. Yeah. You wouldn't necessarily it wouldn't really help you to have, you know, thousands of cheerleaders. It would it would help you to have a representative of the group. one type of experience that your ancestors had and another type and another type. And then be able to hear that, take that in, let that give you confidence, let you let it you have types of ancestors that would uh feed into you, mm -hmm. kind <laughs> of give you some level of grounding, like you came from somewhere. And even if you don't know where you're going and there's no promise of God or anything like that, you know that like you you come from tens, thousands, hundred thousands of years of people who have walked that 
done that. Is it possible that people think that their past lives are actually the collective consciousness of their ancestors? I think that the entire past life experience could be explained by collective consciousness. Ooh, that would deserve its own episode. <laughs> but because, like, like no, but think about that. Like in the collective consciousness theory, like everything that anyone ever lived connected to our DNA or our family unit or our culture even is accessible through that bank. Right. And through that chain. But it makes a compelling argument. Like mm -hmm. even if you don't believe in traditional religion, the synchronicities between all the religions and all the human experience kind of wild. makes it seem like there is a deeper program we're all running on that is pumping out intentional, intelligent results. There's a whole lot of overlap there. There's a lot of it that resonates with me, but I don't need a God and I don't need to trust a God for that. And that's why it still squarely atheist. fits in the atheist category. <laughs> yeah. Womp womp. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, thank you, David, for sharing that with us. <laughs> um, do you want to ask me anything? And if not, we can go to bed. <laughs> okay. All right. I have questions. Um, what are you wanting? What What is the best case scenario for your spiritual seeking? So when you're listening to all of the stuff and you're doing the ceremonies uh, and you are, um, you know, sending out calls through and receiving information through angel numbers, what are you <laughs> looking for specifically? Like, what are you hoping to find? You know, dang, nobody's ever asked me that. I love you. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> what am I hoping to find? Gosh. For me, it's, I'm hoping to find truth. Like it's in something, like whatever facet that it could be in. Angel numbers are interesting because like everybody's looking for, for an answer, something to tell them that there is something besides just them. And even today, like I pulled open the Celestine Prophecy. I found the book. It was really interesting is before we even went into half price books, uh, I was like, I want to see like a sign, you know, I want to see something that's like, uh, inspiring to me or whatever. Like, um, here we are going into this bookstore and I'm thinking like, let, let something really jump out at me. And so I'm, I'm over there and I see the Celestine prophecy, which I've read on audiobook. A friend of mine told me about it and I loved the book, but I loved it for its imagination and its mysticism yeah. and like little different nuggets of, you know, who knows if they're truth or not, but things that really resonated with me. And I was like, I've never actually gotten to sit down and read that book like physically. Um, so anyway, we go in there and there's that book. It's sitting there one copy by itself and I pick it up and I think I have to get this. And so, um, we were checking out into the children's books and I just popped it open and the page it opens to is says something about mystics. And then it says one eleven, which is a number that's been like fucking chasing me everywhere. And in that moment, like I wasn't looking for anything, but that synchronicity coming popping in and said, like, it's almost like a, a nod of validation or trust of like trusting yourself. Like you looked for this thing and then there it was. And that connection to, to something that seems like other than your own human experience, you're seeing something outside of that. I must somewhere deep down in my soul know that this is not just it. And I'm looking for proof. Like I'm looking for truth and I don't think I'll ever get that while I'm in this living realm or space. Um, but I seek out experiences to 
tell me that, like, tell me what is the truth. Um, I will say like uh, on admittance that after four years of hardcore seeking, I'm nowhere closer to an answer, but I am more peaceful about Mm -hmm. it. Like, I feel like I've explored so many attributes and things that I know that there's something I can't quite put my finger on it. It doesn't work constantly. Um, there are times that I ebb and flow from it, but I do always come back to the core of there's something, right? I don't know what it is. I can't even like put it into words. I've never, never experienced it in this human experience, but there's something that it is more than just this physical body. Um, and then that, like, I mean, I've had experiences that are like super weird anyway. Um, so that's enough for me to be like, well, there's definitely something, but, um, I'm looking for the, the confirmation that that something is, or sorry, what that something is, you know? Right. Um, and I don't think I'm ever going to get that like in like a really like deep way. And possibly because when I was Christian, I was such a zealot. (laughs) Um, I was such an evangelist. I was like absolutely 1 million billion percent sure that I was right. And that was what was true. I believed in it my whole heart and coming out of such a devout religious experience and completely turning a 180 and believing something completely different. I don't think I can have that level of investment again. Right. Like the same, similar, like to you, like, I just don't have the energy to do that. I can't, truly devote myself to one truth only like anymore and so i think that i'll constantly be a seeker because of my prior experience to never become someone who's so like convinced right of their own truth that they stop seeing others like that was the danger that i was in when i was in religion so i'm hoping that i find proof like somewhere like someone is going to you know, show up and say the right words and beam, bam, bam, you know, it'll come together. But ultimately, like, there's really no, nothing. I think like, not really nothing, but I don't know that I'll ever find that truth. It's just that there's always a possibility that I could. And in that, I find there's a lot of, um, I do put myself up for a lot of hope and vulnerability to sit with certain things. And currently even like, I'm in this space where I'm not having as much emotional investment in what's on the outside. I would rather figure out what's on the inside hmm. and what does it look like to, to live a good life. And I still get those nods and head bunts even from spirit in ways that are kind of funny. And now it doesn't have to be this like, look, babe, I look what I saw. Look what I think, you know, like, look, this is this. And like, I could see a ghost in our hallway and never say anything about it to you because it's not in my motivation to prove to you that I'm not crazy anymore. Like that was a long standing thing for me where I felt like I needed to prove to people that I wasn't crazy. So everybody needed to know every little aspect and logistic of what I saw, how I saw it. This is why it's true. And, you know, all the proof. And now I just don't care. Like, it's like, okay, yeah. Like while we were recording this interview, I've seen three orbs go over your head. And then I saw like a shadow go across on the wall. I never once felt like I needed to say it in the moment because it's like, I see this shit all the time. Like it's weird. And I know it's weird, but also like, I don't have the need to like, be like, babe, look, you know, like, you know, you've experienced a couple of weird things with me. Like when that one time we heard that person go, woo, like next to your ear. Oh, he like jumped that. out of bed. I hated that. We've heard some some weird, weird fucking noises in our room. We've heard some footsteps going down the hallway. Veda has done some really weird stuff in the middle of the night. Um, like that thing I told you when she sat up and started looking at this. Well, I don't even want to repeat it. It gives me chills thinking about it. But like there's weird stuff. 
like there's something, you know, something going on. And so I think that what I've released myself from, at least in our relationship is trying to prove to you that I'm not crazy. Right. You've given me at least enough space. Like I've, we've had these talks before where I've been, I felt a way about telling you certain things because I'm just fearful of, because people have judged me in my past, but you have been so good at creating a welcoming space for me to feel like I can be me and that you don't like Dave is really good about like being extra neutral. And sometimes that gets him in trouble because I'm like, I need some excitement, like be the cheerleader, like show me like some like, yay, you know, because I can get really like ridiculous about stuff. But because of that, on the other swing of things, like that neutrality is really comforting because it's like, I can tell you something and you won't be like, what the, that's super weird. Like, what do you mean, babe? You know, like you'll be like, oh, okay. And, (laughs) and the more, the more I believe, I mean, I believe all, everything you say, but the more convincing and the closer I was to seeing it and hearing it, at least I like it. Like, (laughs) I don't like that at all. Did you see that down the hallway? I'm like, yeah, I did. I hate that. That's the worst thing ever. And I can't wait till we're like go back to like North Carolina or something. We're staying at like a no bed and breakfast, and we start seeing Soldiers stuff. And I'll be like, I hate this. This is also an old place with a lot of people in it. And yeah. I don't like it. Um, and it doesn't help me because I'm just like seeing weird stuff. Isn't doesn't make me more of a believer in God. It just makes me more nervous about all the things that could be out there and whether I can trust them or not. It's just, it's just more, you know, fodder. Yeah. And it, and it takes up energy thinking about it then. Cause you're just like, Oh my God, I swear. I saw that <laughs> me while I was washing dishes. I'm going to ask like nothing happened. Yeah. So, um, I'm glad I don't see in here as much as I did when I was younger. I don't want to see in here. Wait, but you saw stuff when you were younger. Yeah, some of the orbs and stuff you're talking about and the old maid. I didn't like that. The old maid? You have not told me that story. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, don't leave the listeners waiting. Oh, it's like a it's like a German Eastern Europe. It's like actually around the world. But kids with breathing issues sometimes oh, uh, see you the tell me about old that. maid. Yeah, standing next to their bed. And just kind of like there, but not really. Like, and I just, yeah, I hated it. Didn't like it. And there's no telling. There's like the, the old maid's not intentionally a malicious story. Some people think the old maid causes the asthma. Some people think the old maid only cares and watches over kids. Who have that. Who have, yeah, who are having the problems breathing and stuff like that. That's or creepy sick. shit. Yeah, I don't like it I don't either. Like it. But I've seen it and I can't unsee it. Yeah. And this is part of my core memories and I hate it. And I don't want to see more. Okay. Have you seen <laughs> and heard more stuff since you've been with me? I don't see near as much as I have when I was younger. I saw orbs. And then in college, I found out like orbs are a whole thing. They'd be like, oh, man, orbs. <laughs> there's this whole field in the middle of Arkansas. And then the whole field has a bunch of orbs when we got there and look at it. And I was just like, that's a thing. People go looking for <laughs> no, these things. You. I've definitely been in places that have a lot of orbs. And I'm just like, uh, but I don't see the ones in the level the level you see them in this house or ever really anymore. So you just must be on a whole nother, uh, sensitivity. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. Like there are times I see a or, lot. Cognitively. I just decided my brain just decided we don't this like that. Important. We don't want to see that. It's not helping what? us live right now. <laughs> hey, wait. So remember what is the, what is the, I always forget the name of it. The bias that happens when you tell your brain something's important and then you start seeing it everywhere. 
it's cognitive bias. No, but like there's a there's a term every time oh, we talk yeah. about it, we forget the fucking name. Right. Um, I don't remember. Anyway, that that bias, like it, it's the same. Like if you decided you were gonna buy a yellow Audi, and, and you start seeing see, it all yeah, over yeah. The place. Yeah. I think I would imagine it's the same way. Like you decided I don't want to see that anymore, and then it becomes a thing. Your brain says, "Oh, this is not good or safe for us," so we put it in the back. Interesting. All right. Well, we have talked for a very long time, and hopefully this audio isn't shit. <laughs> so, um, is there anything so that you want to say to our listeners while you have? It's cool that you have listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's super cool. <laughs> think, think. I don't know. I don't know. It's you're, not what I want to say. You're such a babe. <laughs> it's super cool um i just think it's cool that you uh have listeners and this is a relationship that is just awesome thanks babe and so you're so cute it's it's interesting that you'd say stuff on uh on a and that people actually listen yeah, yeah, yeah there are people who'd be like i'm gonna listen to that it's super weird <laughs> all the power just it's kidding the power. all right we're gonna go to bed it's like like Way past our bedtime right now. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we went out and last we actually night. went out last night. Like it was the first date we've had in a long time. And we right. did like we squeeze in and I said squeeze. Like we squeeze in three like different types of dates in one date night. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. If you liked David on this show, let me hear about it on Instagram or in the replies. Let's see if we should bring him back on more often. Um, if you like this episode and impacted you, send it to someone you love and we will see you in the next one. hope you enjoyed this episode. Please share it with someone you love. And if you're interested in becoming a client for energy coaching or card readings, find me at thelovelyalia.com to read more about what I do and to book your own session. And don't forget to add me on the lovely Aaliyah on Instagram for daily content and inspiration and hang out with me on Patreon. As always, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.